Coach Prime is coming to the Pac-12. What a weekend it was in the Conference of Champions. Let's go. Locked on Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Oh man, am I licking my chops at this one. Welcome everybody to another episode of Lockdown Pack 12 I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with our beloved Conference of Champions. Please continue to like, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch this show. We just hit 1,300 on the YouTube channel, countless more in the hundreds, of course, on the podcast side. Thank you so much for making the show what it has become. What a day in the Pac-12. I think George Klyovkov, our commissioner, is waking up today and smiling, going, hmm, things are looking up. Because at the moment, in more ways than one, things are looking up. Deion Sanders going to Colorado is not one that I expected. I thought it'd be more likely he'd go to Arizona State because they have a more recent winning of history than Colorado to see a time when the Buffs were a program that won at a high level consistently, you excuse me, you have to go back to the previous century. But it was there. It is possible. And there are so many things to like about this, regardless of which team in the Pac-12 you root for. If you're one of the LA schools, then eh, maybe you don't care quite as much. But at the very least, it's fine. And that's where, that's where I want to start with Deion Sanders going to Colorado. Colorado, since they joined the Pac-12, has been the worst team. They have been. I don't, think that's a, I don't think that's a big shock to anybody. When you have a brand that is struggling the way Colorado's is, even though it has the potential to be more than what it has been. I mean, they've had one good season and just two over 500 since joining the Pac-12. It's been a struggle. And that makes you, to people outside of the conference, and even to people within the conference to some extent, not watchable, not consumable, not a team you're talking about, not a team you're thinking about. And this move for Deion Sanders to be the head coach for Colorado football makes them at the very least interesting. Because when you put Deion Sanders on television in front of a camera or a microphone, people are going to watch. People are going to watch young and old They pay attention to Coach Prime. The older folks, a couple of generations above myself, they remember Deion Sanders, the athlete. I don't, but I know Deion Sanders. And people of my generation watch him and say, man, he's got a big personality. And we can watch YouTube highlights of him, and we know, man, that guy was a ridiculous athlete. He was a ridiculous athlete. He is a big name. Is he ready to be a big-time power five football coach for a rebuild in Colorado? We're going to find out. We are going to find out. I think the question remains to be seen. He won a lot of football games as the head coach at Jackson State. They just won a conference championship. He said in their opening press conference, you know, they're and O because they didn't lose this year. Heck of a job he did at that, at that school. And now he gets a chance at Colorado. When you're down the way Colorado has been since joining the Pac-12, 
and you don't have an elite recruiting reputation and you're kind of geographically isolated, even more so than Utah, I, I would argue, because they're further over. I mean, they're the biggest geographical outlier in the conference. That and a variety of other factors just add up to this overall sentiment of, yeah, we're not really paying attention to Colorado. Eh, you know, it's like, it's, it's Colorado, who cares or whatnot. But now, even if they're not very good, because of the intrigue that he brings as a coach, as a presence, as a, a TV figurehead, you're going to at least pay attention. Like, I'm now excited to watch Colorado football. I was interested this year. And then I saw him get housed by TCU, and I was like, oh, okay, maybe not a great game. And then I watched their next two games, and boom, not interesting. Didn't talk about him as much here on the show. Would have loved to, because I know there's some Colorado fans out there who listen to or watch. I appreciate all of you, by the way, no matter which school you root for if you listen to or watch the show. But they weren't interesting. And even if Deion Sanders wins two games next year, first of all, it would be an upgrade over this year. Second of all, I would want to watch more than two of those games because when you understand that this is going to be a full-on rebuild and it's going to take time, you want to see where they are in that progression. Great example is the last Pac-12 team to go 1-11 was Arizona. I watched and talked about Arizona a really healthy amount this year here on the show because they were interesting. Jed Fish is not some larger-than-life TV figure. But Jed Fish had that offense cooking in a way with a player at the helm like Jaden Delora and players like T-Mac and Cowing and Singer, those sorts of guys where I'm like, it's interesting. It's at least enticing. Whereas any time Colorado was a part of a game this year after their non-conference slate, were they ever part in a major way of, of a game preview or prediction that I did here on the show? No, because I knew what it was going to be. But Arizona was in there several times because I could look at their offense and say, well, I mean, look, their defense is not very good, but their offense, they can score a lot of points. And what do you know? They ended the year 5-7, and seven, and they upset UCLA, stopped the Bruins from a 10-win regular season. That's what you want to be if you're Colorado. I mean, if you're a Buffs fan, you would take 5-7 and seven next year like that. And even if it's two and ten or three and nine, you want to see it. You want to see the signs. You're going to want to watch it. I'm going to want to watch it. And that is what Colorado needed. I think this is a great hire for the buffs. The on-field results have to follow. But right now, Colorado has people's attention. And you couldn't have said that a week ago. The only area that Colorado ever got attention was some graphic I saw that I, I don't even remember what organization or entity put it out, but it was like Colorado in the last 12 games allowed more points than Georgia in the last 30-something or whatnot. That's the only, only way you're getting your name out there right there for Colorado. But now you're relevant. People are interested. And I'm excited to see what he can do in year one because there's a lot of work to do. The roster just basically no talent. I, I mean, there's just nothing there. You can't have any semblance of competitive talent and go one and 11 the way they did. Arizona's one and 11 was a little different. Like I think 2021 Arizona beats 2022 Colorado because they had more, they showed more at different points in time. So Colorado is interesting 
now and they have people's attention. And that's what you need. You need eyeballs on your program. You want people writing stories. You want people showing up to games, excited about wins. You want to win football games, of course. But if you want to recruit, you want to get on people's radar, you want to get the sort of respect down the line that you need to be a relevant program on a national level and work your way into that top 25 discussion at one point in time, you got to have people paying attention. And that's what Deion Sanders brings to Colorado more than anything else. The dude is interesting. I mean, you're all talking about it. You're all thinking about it. It's the first segment here on my show. We just had our conference championship game. But I am more interested, though I'm going to talk about that conference championship game and what it means and whatnot, in Colorado hiring Deion Sanders because that felt like it came out of nowhere. Like it feels a little bit like a weird fit. But if you're Colorado, you are 100% happy today. You are thrilled. And for the first time all season long, I'm not doing a full winners and losers label to assess the mood base of each fan base in the pack or the mood of each fan base in the Pac-12. But if I were on a Monday, this would be the first time this year Colorado would be in the outright winners category. Good for the bus. Really good for the bus. You just, there's excitement, energy, optimism. It's not just a new hire. It's an exciting new hire that gets people's attention, which you can do in the food department by checking out Omaha Sticks. The holidays are here. Achieving gift greatness or gifting greatness, if you prefer is not a really easy thing to do, but you can give the gift of perfectly aged, tender, and delicious Omaha steaks. The steak experts at Omaha Steaks have put together special curated gift packages to help take the guesswork out of gifting, which I know is very, very tough. I've only got a gift for one of my three family members. I got one for my brother, dad, and mom. I don't know, totally clueless, but Omaha Steaks is a great option if you have someone in your family who wants really high quality me. Go to omahasteaks.com and use code LOCKEDON at checkout to get $30 off your order. That's omahasteaks.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to get $30 off your order. Order with complete confidence today, knowing you're ordering the very best. Minimum order may be required when you use that code LOCKEDON to get that extra $30 off your order at checkout with Omaha Steaks. Man, what a hire that is for Colorado. And just kind of felt like the, the, the rumors started to speculate, started to swell and grow, and you're just kind of thinking, man, are they really going to do that? Are they really going to get Deion Sanders? And boom, they've got Deion Sanders. Good news for Colorado. Also good news for the Pac-12. Uh, momentarily here, I'm going to get to that championship game. However, here's why this is good for the Pac-12. If you're George Klyovkov waking up right now, you know that you have one more season of USC and UCLA, and then they are departing for the Big Ten. So when you think about the viability of the conference and the media writes that he's in the midst, for all we know, of negotiating, maybe as I speak, maybe he's on the phone with an executive right now whenever you listen to us. I don't know. Could be. It's coming at some point. But you look at the 10 teams that are remaining, and you're trying to build a brand as a conference that is strong enough to remain relevant and competitive on the national scale and not be viewed as some drastic outlier of like, oh man, it's just so much worse. And so let's let's project a couple of years from now. Utah 
is now the two-time defending Pac-12 champion. I'm going to go out a limb and say as long as Kyle Whittingham is there, they will be okay. Oregon and Washington appear to have good coaches, have also done a lot of winning in the last six, seven years or so. They recruit at a pretty high level. Have to figure that they're going to be okay. Those are your three kind of anchor brands right now. And then they're the ones who are trying to get into that next category, right? Again, this is of the Pac-10 remaining teams, excluding USC and UCLA. Oregon State, chance to get 10 wins for the first time in their bowl game since 2006. Washington State, maybe one of the better 7-5 and five teams I've seen in recent memory. If you're George Klyovkov, you want as many competitive teams as possible. And that's what you need going forward. Whether it's the Pac-10, Pac-11, Pac-12, Pac-13, I don't know. We are going to have to wait and see. But when you think about the prospect of Deion Sanders at Colorado, if he turns it around, I don't think he even needs to turn it into a perennial power. You know, the way they were in, in the 90s playing in, I think they were the Big 12 back in, back in the 1990s, right? And they were for a long time. Like Colorado has been two high-level bowl games, national championship level in, in the early 90s. They as a program have reached that. You don't need them to be that. But USC and UCLA leaving creates a void, a void of teams and schools that can be at or near the top of the conference consistently. And also, when you lose the Trojans and the Bruins, you create a void for teams to move into the middle. And if Deion Sanders could turn Colorado just into a perennial five to eight win team, instead of what they've been the last several years, which is a one to five win team, if he takes them into that category and you have Oregon State maybe be a perennial eight to 10 win team, and then you have Oregon and Washington and Utah, that's a strong position to be in. You also hope Stanford can make the right hire and whatnot and see how the coaches pan out at the Arizona schools. Jed Fish, of course, on a very upward trajectory. You want as many good teams and programs as possible. And the Buffs haven't just been down. They've been really, really bad specifically this year. And if Deion Sanders can turn them into another legitimate, respectable program year in and year out that is competitive, that fights, that wins some games, goes to a bowl game with some consistency, that's a really, really good thing if you're George Klyovkov. And that is 100% what you want. Now, I argued, and, and real quick, I'll talk more about Coach Prime in Colorado tomorrow as well. It's going to take more than one year. That is not a USC situation where it's a one-year turnaround. But speaking of the Trojans, who once again, for the Pac-12, I shouldn't say it's been USC every time because, of course, it has not. But the Pac-12, once again, comes up short. And there was an opportunity late in the year for three teams to get into the playoff. Oregon had a chance, lost it. USC had a chance, lost it in the final week. Utah had a chance coming into the year, lost it when they lost that Florida game. UCLA, they were right there, fell off. Fell, it's, it's very Pac-12. It is a very Pac-12 thing to do, to have a number of good teams, but not have that truly great team. And USC is still a very good team. They've got Tulane in the Cotton Bowl. 
Yeah, give me the Trojans in that one. Assuming Caleb Williams plays. And, man, that guy left it on the field. I, that guy, he's a ridiculously good football player. Turns out Utah's got a lot of those as well. But is it great for the Pac-12 that they're not in the playoff again? Mm, no, not great. I did argue going into the game, and I do still believe it would have been a net positive for the Pac-12 to get into the college football playoff. And they would have gotten in over Ohio State. I think that was pretty clear. USC had a chance, slipped through their fingers, Utah wins, congrats to the Utes. But it wasn't all bad for the conference on Friday night and over the weekend. Not just because you hired Coach Prime and got a lot of attention on the league and on the Buffs program that, as I talked about earlier, desperately needed it. But suddenly, as you look to the future, again, past 2023, you want to have the strongest deepest league possible. And now here's Utah. Hmm. Here are the Utes, who are seemingly at their best when the pressure is not on them, when they are counted out, when they are an underdog. And here they did that again, and they're going back to the Rose Bowl. And suddenly they've been in four out of the last five (laughs) Pac-12 championship games. And they've won two in a row. Hmm. Does that sound right to you? It is right. But does it feel that way? If USC went to four or five and won two in a row, it would feel different, right? It would feel like here's the new king in the Pac-12. It would feel like here's a team that's just going to dominate and everyone else is just going to try to keep up. But here's little old Utah. Yeah, they were a Mountain West team, joined the Pac-12. Uh, they hadn't even won the conference championship until a year ago. They just, oh man, they're just, they're just coming up short time and time again. Hmm. Now they've won it twice in a row. Isn't that the team you would most want to have? Like, take the name brands out of it. And the loss of USC's name brand of the conference, yep, gut punch, no doubt. UCLA also, but in a football sense, not quite as significant. More relevant on the basketball court. If you took the names out of it and you were just looking at blind resumes of who you would want to keep in the league with conference realignment coming, wouldn't the team at the top of the list be your two-time defending conference champion that's been to four of the last five and has a chance to go prove itself again on a national stage against a 10-win team from the Big Ten? Isn't that kind of who you'd want? Not saying USC wouldn't be there too, and of course brands are a part of it, but just from a resume standpoint, that's good news if you're the Pac-12 and George Klyakov. Because now you have them there as a two-time defending champ, and everybody knows it. And if they go win, people gave them a lot of respect on the national level, and rightfully so, for that Rose Bowl effort a year ago. They go in this year and win the Rose Bowl against Penn State, That level of brand credibility, it's not going down. It's just going to keep going up. It is just going to keep going up. Big opportunity there. I can't wait for bowl season. It is a really, really exciting time. Uh, Lastly, on why it was a good day for the Pac-12. Look at that scene in Las Vegas. America's Playground, Great Events Town. You had a sold-out stadium. 
It was awesome. It was an awesome football game. Don't let the final margin dictate your perception of how close that game was. We all know it was a dogfight from the start. And it was just a great college football game. Does it suck that Caleb Williams got injured? Quite a bit. It really, really does. But that was still a great college football game to watch. And you had it sold out and it felt big. And a lot of those Pac-12 championship games at Levi Stadium, they felt small. They didn't have a big crowd. They felt kind of unimportant. But this one, the stakes that were there, what both teams were playing for, the way the game played out, if you're not going to get a team into the playoff, but still have two in the New Year's Six as the Pac-12 does, and now a 10-2 Washington in the Alamo Bowl, what a game that could be with Texas. If you're not going to get a team into the playoff, probably about the best possible situation imaginable for the conference. And now bowl season is here, and I cannot wait. So, so many great matchups. Seven teams are going bowling. We get you started on getting you excited about all those matchups and what's on the line after I talk to you all about Simply Safe. Locked on Pac 12, we believe home should be where you and your family feel the safest, especially over the holidays this season. Give yourself and your family the gift of peace and protection with the number one rated home security system, Simply Safe. And right now, Simply Safe is offering Locked On Pac 12 listeners <clears throat> 40% off. That's four zero, not, not one four, 40% off a new security system. But don't put this off. Don't miss your chance to save big on my favorite security system, the only one. We recommend here at the Lockdown Podcast Network. That is Simply Safe. You can get 40% off any new system at simplysafe.com slash locked on college today. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on college. There's no safe like Simply Safe. I am a defender, in a sense, if you want to give me that sort of label, of many things. Number one, I am a defender of being anti expansionist. I am not in favor of expanding the college football playoff. Clemson this year would get a chance to play for a national championship. So would Alabama. Ugh. I shudder just thinking about it. The thought is despicable. Absolutely awful. But anyway, I am a big defender as well of bowl season. I love bowl season because I love college football. And this idea that bowl games don't matter as much anymore. I don't buy that for a millisecond. And there's a lot on the line for a number of teams. Some more than others. I will grant you that 100%. I am not here to tell you that this bowl game means just as much to the team playing in it as that team over there. Because maybe this team had playoff expectations or goals and they were right there and they came up just a little bit short. Does not mean... Does not mean, going to repeat, that the seven opportunities the Pac-12 has to play in a bowl game this year are not important. I think it's especially important for the league in this year of all years. I'll continue to talk about that here on the show. But if you did not know, here are the matchups. In the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all, you have Utah and Penn State. 10-win, top 10 Penn State team that is good but not great. And a 10-win, top 10 Utah team that, again, is good but probably not great. But both teams are very good. They've had good, solid seasons. And Penn State is here 
by virtue of Ohio State and Michigan getting into the playoff. Yes, that is correct. They're still a solid football team. Are they great? No. But I think that could be a good game. And Utes fans, any of you watching or listening right now, I'm going to take a stab and say that winning the Rose Bowl, which they have not won before, is pretty darn significant. Perhaps even more significant than any of the other bowl games in terms of what it means to that specific team. The only other one that's close is Oregon State, which I'll get to. In the Cotton Bowl, the other New Year's Six game that a Pac-12 team will appear in this year, USC is playing the champion out of the American Conference in Tulane. What a story the Green Wave are this year, by the way. They were a double-digit loss team a season ago, and right now they're 11-2. and two, And they're the champions of the American Conference. Yeah, pretty, pretty fun stuff. I do think USC is overall a little bit better. But don't sleep on the Green Wave. They're playing with a lot of confidence in that game. And year one for Lincoln Riley and USC, the opportunity to be a 12-win team after winning four a year ago, 12 wins in a New Year's Six, I know USC fans are probably disappointed they're not going to the playoff. But if I told you before the season, before you saw everything play out, where a lot of close games went your way, a couple did not, of course, would you have taken that opportunity? I imagine, I'd like to think, most of you would have. In the Alamo Bowl, Washington against Texas. A game of two historically pretty darn big brands. Texas probably a little bit bigger, but Washington no slouch that are in the process of rebuilding back to the mountaintop. I think Washington is further along on that process than Texas. I like Kalen DeBoer more than Steve Sarkeesian as a head coach. Oh, by the way, did you know that Steve Sarkeesian used to be Washington's head coach? (laughs) Spicy. The Holiday Bowl, Oregon against North Carolina. I think this is a good football game. I think you can see a lot of points in that one. If Bo Nix is healthy and plays, which we don't know at this point in time, could have a couple of good quarterbacks in there because you got Drake May on the other side from North Carolina. Oregon has played Mac Brown before. Obviously, Dan Lanning has not as a head coach, but um, Ducks trying to get to 10 wins there. Is it the most consequential for Oregon? Eh, maybe not. But do you still like looking up and saying, hey, back-to-back 10-win seasons? That's on the line for Oregon, no doubt. Las Vegas Bowl this is a huge one. I mean, this is massive. Oregon State. Rarely gets a chance, and I mean rarely, gets a chance to play an SEC team. 9-3 and three Oregon State, 6-6 six and six Florida. Mm. Do you know the last time the Beavers, who are 9-3 and three right now, had a 10-win season? Do, 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 do. I'm a big Jeopardy fan, so I threw that music in there. It was 2006. Yeah, go tell Oregon State fans that there's nothing on the line. This is a meaningless bowl game. Mm. Hogwash. Sun Bowl, UCLA, and Pitt. Again, a program that doesn't win 10 games very often. And Dorian Thompson-Robinson is going to play his last college football game unless he decides to get ready for the NFL draft. I really hope he plays. I really do because I love watching the guy play football. He's a really fun player to watch. A lot of great quarterbacks to watch in this conference. DTR, Caleb Williams, Cam Ward, Bo Nix has been great. Like, just go up to Michael Penix is the country's leading passer. Mm, man, I can't wait to watch all these guys play once again. And then finally, in the Los Angeles Bowl, Washington State taking on the champs of the Mountain West in Fresno State. And again, I ask you, do you think Washington State fans are looking at that game and saying, oh, 
An eight-win season, psh, what would that even mean? Hmm, I don't know. Your first full year under Jake Dickert ending at eight and five, I think. The Washington State fans look at that saying, that's a great opportunity to beat a solid team down on national TV in a big-time stadium that we don't get to go to often. Anytime you go bowling up there in Pullman, it's a good year. And the chance to end the year 8-5, and five, be one of the best 8-5 and five seasons I can remember in the Pac-12. Seriously. Gosh, I can't wait for these games. Just again to recap, Los Angeles Bowl, Washington State, Fresno State, Sun Bowl, UCLA takes on Pitt. Vegas Bowl, Oregon State, Florida, Holiday Bowl, Oregon, North Carolina, Alamo Bowl, Washington, Texas, Cotton Bowl, USC, Tulane, and Rose Bowl, Utah, Penn State. What a lineup. Bring on the bowl season, baby. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.